After a series of V-Day and the leaders who made it possible and shaped our present world, we decided to take you far, far away in time, to the roots of our European history, to ancient Greece, where and when so many fundamental concepts were created and are still helping us t- today. So here you are for an extraordinary treat as Life in the Unknown has succeeded to get the most exclusive interview with the most famous ancient Greek author, Homer, whose epic poems, the Iliad and the Odysseus, are already read since the 4th century before Common Era. Thank you, Mr Homer, for having accepted to talk to us. It is such an extraordinary privilege, and we know so little about your life. Some scholars believe that you didn't even exist, and that the name Homer designated a group of poets, and that your epics are so monumental. Others believe that you just wrote down the oral poems that were transmitted by generations of oral storytellers. Some are vehement that you were blind. Seven towns claim to be your birthplace. What is your real story? I'm sorry, but you are missing the point. What is important here is exclusively my stories and what they reveal. I don't understand why everyone in your present world is obsessed by the reality show, the lives of celebrities. My poems interest you because they are still relevant to you and that is more interesting than my humble life. What is quite extraordinary is that you wrote about the Trojan War, which took place some 400 years before your time. In Bronze Age Greece, some 3,000 years ago, the start of the Iliad is not the abduction of Helen, the young wife of the kings of Sparta by the Trojan dashing prince of Troy, which started by the war. The action of the Iliad opens in the fact that at the end of the war, even Greeks are restless waiting around and stricken by a plague. The Trojans are protected by the impressive fortifications of Troy, but by having so little background action, the attention is focused on the Greek fight in the camp between the leader of the Greek armies, Agamemnon and Achilles, the perfect hero, the demigod and the greatest warrior of the Greeks. The Trojan War, which happened before my time, had a huge impact on our civilization. There was no need for me to explain the reasons of war. It was so well known, that is why I choose to focus on the greatest hero of the Trojan War, Achilles and how the grief is going to turn the most admirable hero into what you could call today a war criminal. It possesses the question of what it means to be a hero. What is worth dying for, and how do you reconcile with someone we see as an enemy? To choose to start the Iliad when the Achaeans and their allies were exhausted after more than nine years of war, worse, they are reeling from the plague, which is devastating their ranks. A prophet, Chalcaeus, tells the Dayans that the disease is punishing them for Agamemnon's abduction of a young woman, Chryses of lovely cheeks, daughter of Chryses, one of Apollo's priest, priestess, um, but the king unwillingly returns her despite a splendid r- ransom offered by her father, brought on the plague as the gods punished for his hubris, his arrogance. Agamemnon is forced by his generals to return crises to her father but demands resentfully that achilles give him some of his his own war booty another woman captured by bryces whom achilles had come to fall in love with in fact he asks rhetorically do you intend while you yourself have a prize that i just sit here with that one i wanted to show the importance in a war of a moral leadership which clearly Agamemnon lacks, having been disrespectful towards the gods and therefore having agreed to sacrifice his own daughter. It tells us about the eternal dilemmas of fighters compelled to serve under incompetent superiors. Achilles is so hurt by the pettiness of Agamemnon that he refuses to help any longer the Greeks in their battle with the Trojans and he and his 
Mayor Mike Minnens, the people he leads, sit out the coming battles. Achilles even questioned the validity of the war. The, the Greek cities, nations had established a complex but effective way of collaboration through intermarriages and Greek treaties. Achilles had been convinced by none less than the most cunning Greek ever, the king of Ithaca, the famous Ulysses, to join the Achaeans. He sensed and says the utter pointlessness of the conflict during his outburst Agamemnon in Book One. Achilles says, The Trojans never did me damage, not in the least. They never stole my cattle or my horses. Never in Pythia, where the rich soil breeds strong men, did they lay water my crops? How could they? Look at endless miles that lie between us, shadowy mountain ranges, seas that surge and thunder. No, you colossal shameless. We all followed you to please you, to fight for you, to win your honour back from the Trojans. But the rapture of his friend, Patroclus, is going to change everything. Absolutely. When Achilles is preparing for his departure, the death of Patroclus, his mate, is going to transform the most generous and fair war hero into a vengeful war criminal. No one can predict the behaviour of a warrior. It can be fear or fury, but war takes a toll on every participant, active or passive. I wanted to show the love between soldiers who fight together. I wanted to show the sorrow, the frightful losses of war, of a soldier losing his closest companion, or a father losing his son. Achilles becoming a monster. He thinks only of killing. What I really crave is slaughter and blood and the choking groans of men. He fills the waters of the Sacramento with so many dead bodies, so full of bodies, that the river deity himself rises up from the depths in anger, but no one can reason with him, not even the gods. Only when the frail, grieving father Priam finds it himself to kiss those terrible man-killing hands that had slaughtered Priam's many sons in battle, when Achilles sees reflected in his face of Priam the likeness of his own beloved father that his fury disappears. I wanted to show that no one, even the best of us, is immune to war. The Trojan War ended by a cunning trick of Odysseus, famous king of Ithaca, known now as the Trojan Horse. In fact, it is now a known fact. If a war drags too on too long, you need to change your tactics. In the underworld, I've read The Art of War, which was written in the 5th century BC, so a century before my time. As the author Sun Tzu explains extremely well, the way of war is a way of deception. How do you explain the never-ending success of your two epic poems, The Iliad and The Odysseus? The Iliad is a story about war, which is inextricably bound up with humanity. I was very touched to know that Alexander the Great, perhaps the most flamboyantly successful soldier in history, slept every night with a copy of the Iliad annotated by his tutor, Aristotle. The Odyssey is in a way the complete opposite of the Iliad, as it is a story of human determination against all odds. At my time, the other celebrated poet was Hesiod, who wrote about genealogy of our gods, and also an almanac filled with good advice. I must admit that I am flattered to be now known so well, whereas Hesiod is only known by scholars. I confess that it is a petty and shameful rivalry, but even here in the underworld, where we are only shadows, we keep a little of our egos. Well, thank you very much for this extraordinary interview. Keep safe, keep tuned for more about famous ancient Greek figures.